Welcome to Filmstrip, featuring Nick. They are coming. They are coming. They are not only coming, they are here. And Jay. Isn't it better be important? These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and contain in-depth discussions of the plots, characters, and themes. All content used or discussed in this podcast is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. And this is our review of Critters 3, starring Amy Brooks, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> Don Opper, John Calvin, and William Dennis Hunt, directed by Christine Peterson of the John Corman School, released in 1991, direct-to-video. So, okay, part three, I think I mentioned before, I was barely aware there was a sequel to the original Critters. Never had an idea that there was a Critters 3 or 4. I think I knew DiCaprio was in some low-rent horror flick as his first role, as most actors do, or actresses do as well. But I had no idea. Like, the rest of this total mystery to me, man. So, have you ever seen this before we did this retrospective? I did. I ended up seeing this uh, on VHS, obviously, because it was direct-to-video. Um... I don't know what the occasion was. We were at the video store and I talked my dad into letting me rent this movie because I saw the first two as fans of the first two. And I'm like, there's Critters 3 and 4. And I like grab Critters 4 because I'm like, oh, this one looks really cool. And he's like, don't you get the third one first because, you know, you haven't seen it. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'll grab the third one. So grab the third one, took it home and watched it. And yeah, I was probably like 92, 93 when I did that. So, you know, just young and dumb. I I think we've all had those rentals. I mean, I I certainly could have my share of them. We've probably reviewed some of it along the way here. When when I was little, I used to just love these type of movies. I mean, I still kind of do. I mean, movies like Terror Vision, that was from the same time. Uh, You know, Critters movies, Trimmers, uh, Pumpkinhead, stuff like that. It's like Uh, these creatures, these like early 90s creature features that I was just like obsessed with. Yeah, you know, Pumpkinhead, that's an interesting one. We may have to get to that one someday because I, I picked that it's up on Netflix. straight up off the shelf once. And I I remember really liking that. It's been a long time since I've seen it, though. So I do remember the sequel because I think Punky Brewster's in it or something like that. So, But but one of those child stars that grew up to be kind of slutty or whatever. But uh, I, I remember that. But yeah, we had to look at that one again at some point. But we're at Critters 3. I, I do want to talk about something for a minute, though, because Brian and I have done the Leprechaun films out the wazoo and you know, the last five or six of those have all been straight to video i mean they, you know they pretty well all could have been but the first two got theatrical releases everything else was straight to video what is it about direct to video horror films like every franchise seems to devolve into this at some point with the exception of like the big ones like um, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, they had really crummy sequels, but everything wound up in the theater. But like Hellraiser went to direct-to-video stuff, you know? Tremors went direct-to-video. Uh, now, you know, Leprechaun did, Critters. What is it about the horror genre that winds up direct through like that, you think? I think it's just because they know that there's always a fan following with these. Even if, like, the movies don't do really well in the box office, they're the type of fans that are still going to see it on video no matter what. So it's like, hey, you can, you know, make a movie really cheap and release it on VHS and still get a very good, you know, per, you know, profit back. Or you can spend a lot more money on it, put it in the theater, and pretty much get the same amount of money you'd get if you would release it on VHS. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even think 
I think at some point, though, horror fans do clamor for stuff. I agree. I was a horror fan. I would go see pretty much anything in a theater there for a while, but I had standards, too. Like, there were some things that just like, nah, you're not going to yeah, drag think, me to the theater for it. You think, like, movies like Puppet Master, remember that? Oh, God. A Wishmaster, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you even got stuff like, uh, you know, I grew up on movies like Demonic Toys, and, <laughs> you know, just like these just off-the-wall, crazy movies like this, and I don't know. I still got a soft spot for them, though, but I'm kind of glad. I mean, now they've been replaced with the sci-fi originals. Yeah. And to tell you, the sci-fi originals don't hold a candle to these type of movies. Oh, not you know, even, even Even when they're bad, like really bad, like, you know, you know, Ghoulies 3, you know, <laughs> something like that. I mean, it's still head and shoulders above something like Sharktopus or something. Or, oh, I, I agree. Like, there's something to be said about a movie that's made with the intentional tongue-in-cheek, and then something like this that is a horror comedy that is kind of funny, but at least takes itself somewhat seriously. Like, it has rules that it plays by. I where, think it's like, more When you do Sharknado, like, you know, there's, there's nobody playing seriously in that. That's a stunt film. It, I, it's a craftsmanship. It's, you know... Even a movie like, and we're going to do it with Critters 3, is going to talk about the acting, talk about the script, whatever like that, but you're watching it, and even if, like, you know, the director and the writers didn't care, you still got this element there of, like, these guys were actually making these monsters, and you can see that there was a strong effort put into that aspect. The Chodo brothers, right. Yeah, yeah. and you, you see it with a lot of... Yeah. Yeah. You see it in a lot of these movies, like, in the early 90s, late 80s, and that's what I'm saying, it's like craftsmanship. It's, you know, no matter how bad the movie might be there was still an element of love that was put into it but you get that now with like the sci-fi originals and it's all just cgi crap you know probably you know you got three guys working in an apartment in new york city that ended up putting together these cgi effects and it looks like it it looks shitty and it just looks like yeah this was done on the cheap and you know just done real fast where a movie like this it's like yeah it's cheap it's stupid but you know what there, there still is a little bit of craftsmanship going on here well, there's something for sure, and I guess we should get into it now. So, Dick, why don't you tell us what in the heck happens in Critters 3? Yeah, it's Die Hard with Critters. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plot summary, but uh, to get a little bit more deep, uh, sometime in, after Critters 2, Charlie McFadden is tracking down the last of the Krites. He comes across a family who takes a Krite eggs with them as they leave a rest stop. When they arrive at their tenant apartment building, the Krites hatch and attack. The jerk maintenance man, the evil landlord, are attacked and killed, and the other residents are injured. Finally, the young girl of the family, Annie, and the landlord's son, Josh, along with others, make it to the roof where Charlie arrives and destroys the remaining Krites. The film ends with Charlie being ordered not to destroy the last two eggs, but rather to place them in a pod sent from the Intergalactic Council. Charlie does this but gets himself trapped inside as well as the shuttle curls back into outer space. <laughs> it's like a, a weird episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> uh, you're, not, you're, not, you're not too far off there. Yeah, I mean, really, I you know, I'm not a huge TNG fan, but I do remember watching some of it. Felt like a lot of it got into this, like it was this kind of stuff. But we'll, we'll get there. That's really just the last of it. I think it's funny that, like, in some uh, listings online and stuff, Terrence Mann uh, is credited high in the credits, and he doesn't even appear until, like, the last 12 seconds of the film, and he's a hologram. Like, they couldn't even get Charlie. that dude back for the whole thing. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, we'll get to the ending of the movie, but, man, talk about a weird credit sequence, and it's just like, 
it's, I don't know. Boy, it felt like a, a an episode of the Incredible Hulk or Quincy MD or I don't know. It was like or Dallas. Dallas was notorious for this crap. I don't know if you watched that show growing up or not, but they'd show something and then everybody would freeze and a credit would be on the screen and then it would go something next and then that damn yellow you know font from the eighties would be up there. And it's, I, I mean, it was definitely a quaint little feel for sure. But that's just the last of it. I mean, not even to say what happens the other eighty minutes of the thing. It's uh. It's a different ride this time around. So let's talk about this this whole bit here. And I guess we got to start with the family that we meet, the family of three that are kind of making their way. What are they making their way to a new place or are they just kind of traveling across country? What's the deal with Annie and her pops and the kid that was in kindergarten cop? Uh, and uh, he was in the Muscle Man Babysitter's movie, too. I, I I missed that one. So. Twin sitters, yes, with the barbarian <laughs> twins. But uh, yeah, what I took it was is that you know they're real like you know poverty stricken family, and they were just you know the dad got a job maybe doing some deliveries or whatever. Sounded like he was a driver or some type of like del- delivery driver, truck driver, and basically just because of money or whatever, he was just gonna go drop these kids off at some at a old folks you know apartment for you know foreseeable future, so he could go you know work and earn some money. And you know they yeah. look they 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 stop at a you know a truck stop or a rest stop and they're talking more about this and you got the girl you got the girl you know the the attractive older sister kind of and then the little bratty younger brother and of course the little bratty younger brother's got to run off and cause some stuff and that's when they run into Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> well, before we get to Leo, this brother and sister, like I don't know if you watched the show Who's the Boss growing up but i remember that show and Alyssa milano and the little brat that was her brother on that show i got that vibe off of these two big time like that it felt like that's what they were going for here the plucky cute perky you know teen preteen girl and then the adorable little blonde brat oh yeah i mean that's just kind of a late 80s early 90s trope isn't it i mean even kind of got it like semi and you know Married with children. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's always, you know, you got the older sister and the younger, you know, kind of shithead brother. Yeah. No, I guess it what this kid is what, three or four? I mean, it's not really his fault. <laughs> this yeah, I think like he's probably like five or six, you know, and of course. Yeah. No, I mean, he's precocious and all this stuff, but you're right. He's throwing his Frisbee around and he almost throws it down a ditch. And Leonardo DiCaprio just happens to be there. With his family, I don't never hey, really hey, understand why Josh was hanging around the rest stop. But hey, well, now was this the boy that was in um, Last Action Hero? No, that's not him. Uh, no, no, but not, not not the main boy, but the boy uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character's son who gets thrown off the roof. You know what? It may have been. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen Last Action Hero. It, it could have been, but I mean, it, it's Christian and Joseph Cousins. These these kids that like they played as identical twins. They would play each other on all kinds of things. You know, they were they were on Knots Landing. They were on Kindergarten Cop, and I think they were on Wings and stuff like that. But I, I don't think they were. In, I don't think it was the kid that was uh, in Last Action Hero. But it's that same kind of kid. You're right. That you know, yeah. little blonde kid. He's you know, kind of gets in trouble some, but you, God, you can't get mad at him because he's so cute and all. He, you know, who he is. He's the kid from Jerry Maguire before that kid was born, right? It's that same kind of kid. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just less annoying Jake Lloyd, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
And even Jake Lloyd thinks he was annoying in The Phantom Menace. So we, we've filled our quota already. Hell, we might as well do the popcorn ratings. We've got George Lucas already already down. Ten minutes in. So, but, but now we got to get to DiCaprio. I mean, I love now that, like, if you pick up the VHS of this thing, it's two critters flying across the city. And it says, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio in his film debut. And I'm like, I bet he's real proud of that. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things like Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun, or <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and uh, Renee Zellweger in you know Texas, uh, Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Yes, it's yeah, they all slummed it in a in a cheap horror film before they were famous. <laughs> but you know, here's the thing: anytime you see that from someone, you know, what I like to do is say, well, is there anything here that you know alludes to what this person will become because i will say this dicaprio for a while was easy to hate because he was the team beat cover boy and all that but he turned into a real respectable actor and has done some really good stuff i happen to like a lot of what he's in not everything but i I like a lot of it but i remember like the first thing i really remember him from was romeo plus juliet you know the rock and roll uh shakespeare stuff that that whole era of that crap and things like that and then of course he did titanic and that was the mega movie right yeah this was actually the first movie i saw him in Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you think about, though, this is the first I rented this movie pretty much a year after it came out. And what was he doing at this time? You know, Growing Pains? Was that what he was in? I I guess, yeah. I mean, he wasn't doing any film work at this point because this was a little bit before What's Eating Gilbert Grape and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's, it's funny to think back that, you know, this is like a movie that, you know, he kind of did, you know, put himself in. But, you know, I guess, yeah, you got to start out somewhere. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Actually, I can tell you the first thing I do remember him in is Sam Raimi's The Quick and the Dead with the the Sharon Stone, you know, Western, which is kind of a cartoon Western. I kind of liked him in that. He was he was good in that for the role of the heading player. That movie's cheesy, but. Yeah, it was okay. Russell Crowe's in that, by the way, too. So, you know, you get some big stars that that do these quirky little films from time to time. But, you know, watching him here, the funny thing is, is like every now and then he'll do something and it's mostly with his eyes. DiCaprio does this thing when he's trying to be serious. He he just squints his eyes a certain way. And I saw him doing it here, like when he's trying to tell the kid, don't go down the ditch. And I was like, ah, there's that look. I know that look. So I guess it was satisfying in that way. Yeah, I always get. The, I always see that look on him. It always reminds me of him in a uh, Catch Me If You Can when he's playing that when he's the doctor. Yeah, yeah. And he's standing above, you know, the little boy with the broken leg, and he's kind of like, "Do you concur?" <laughs> you know? He's got that. He's got that little squinty-eyed look and everything. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he's he's doing that whole bit or whatever. But the the whole thing is this introduces him in the character as the son, or the I guess he's the stepson of the. I mean, talk about the tropey evil landlord, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. That guy was a trip. (laughs) I mean, every sitcom stereotype of the evil superintendent landlord, that's what that dude was. I thought he was that one guy who was in – God, what was that movie with uh, Chucky? The the second to last one, uh, Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky. The guy with a really thin mustache. I could have been. Yeah, I don't know. It's the same kind of character, though. You're right. Yeah, it's just like yeah, he was just like you know evil. You know he's you know he's evil because he's got a he's got a thin mustache right above his lip. <laughs> yeah, he's just just a little just a little bit of the hair. But the whole the whole thing here is though we get Charlie back into this thing now. What did you make of Charlie? He's no longer I guess the sheriff of Grover's Mill, and so he's what is he, he running around killing off the last of the critters? Is he like a freelance bounty hunter now? What's Charlie's deal? 
I don't know. And this is just like, you know, so many questions here. It's like, okay, he was supposed to be the sheriff and now he's not. And he's running around, of course, in his bounty hunter garb because, you know, he's not going to stand out like that. And what are these crate eggs just doing here? I mean, yeah, something obviously had to have laid them. So I, I guess I just don't understand what is really going on here I, where it's like they're yeah. in this random rest stop. How do they get here? Yeah. Like, I how did they get on the car? That, that's the other thing. I don't know where we are anymore. We were in Kansas. I don't know where the hell this movie takes place. Do you? It looks like, I don't know. California? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, it's all, I mean, there's two sets. There's the rest stop, which is off of I 65, I guess. And then whatever building that they leased for a day to shoot the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, really that's it. I don't know. I, that was my big question was I get what Charlie's doing. Okay. If we're going to introduce a character back into this thing, obviously we don't want any, you want Brad or any of that other stuff back in. We don't want the old sheriff again. So, we bring Charlie back. It doesn't hurt that his brother's one of the writers of the script either. So they're doing this thing. And what I don't understand is where do the critters come from? I'm like, where do these things keep popping up at? Like, do they just, I mean, how fast do they multiply? What are these eggs doing here? I don't get how every time we seem to destroy the batch of the critters, another batch of them pops up. At least between the first and the second one, they set it up by showing us those eggs in the barn and everything. This one, they just we just have to go with it, right? That's what they're telling us. Yeah, this is like David Giller syndrome right here from Alien 3 or, yeah, we're just going to put an egg here doesn't make any sense, but we're just going to put an egg here. <laughs> yeah, yes, well, you know, now I know where Damon Lindelof's entire career comes from. It's from watching Critters 3, and the plot contrivances therein. But, uh, I mean, now, were we supposed to take it that there was a critter alive over in that area, kind of like running around, and that's who Charlie was hunting? There's like a point of view shot of something running around in the bushes doing that little squeaky giggle thing that they do. So, yeah, I, there's like Mama Critter, or if they can be that, well, I don't know if they produce asexually or what. But, but there's something laying the eggs. There's the queen critter. I, I mean, you know, this was the same time as Aliens. So, I mean, this was and, and, and it just it just popped the squad on the on the wheel of the of the car, the family, you know, half truck, whatever the hell they're driving. Yeah, they never even noticed it like that, and it doesn't seem like that kind of thing would hold on real well. Like, you know. I don't know. I I don't know how it got there either. The whole point is this family is going to take these eggs back to the tenement building and they're going to hatch more and more and more. And it's now it's become the thing that they've desperately tried not to be. And that's gremlins, right? Because I mean, that's the whole bit is once you get one of them around, you got a bunch of them around all of a sudden, you know, you get, get the Mogwai wet and it pops off a bunch of new ones. And that's the whole thing. These things seem to multiply just at random. Yeah, it really doesn't make much sense. And do you like that they're getting away from the small town? No, that's that's the thing. It's the whole purpose of the first two Critters films, particularly that first one, which which was fun to revisit in its cheesy gloriness, was what if something from outer space landed in small town America? How would that go? You know, where there's not a heavy reliance on technology. It's, you know, people are isolated, all that stuff. And it would basically just wipe the place out. You know, that's the whole premise. And there was something quaint about that too. When you stick it in a tenement apartment building with people, one, we don't know why they care about each other or why they're around. And two, you start offing them the minute we meet any of them. It's, it just takes away a lot of it. 
I mean, there's there's nobody to tie into here. I guess we're supposed to care about Amy and Josh and the brother, but I I don't. Or Charlie. I mean, I don't know why he's here. Would this make more sense maybe if, like, I know I'm going to do the classic rewrite, but, you know, maybe <laughs> if this was, like, what happened to the town that maybe they kind of built into it or something like that, putting maybe, like, some, like, housing there or something, you know, to kind of, like, boost up the population and maybe have this father actually be, you know, Brad from the first movie with his kids, you know, make this, like, in the way in the future, maybe, like, 10 years in the future, 12 years in the future, and he comes back there. They don't want to go visit his grandma again. I mean, you could completely tie it back into the first one, but they kind of decided to take it in a whole new direction, minus the Charlie aspect. And this whole apartment building thing is pretty lame, I think. And, I mean, it, it, it's a real cheap way for them to do the movie. Let's be honest here. Oh, it's, this, is yeah. why, this is why it's in an apartment building, because, like you said, they probably went to, like, you know, freaking, was it Hedler's Grove or something <laughs> like that in Chicago, and it was like, hey, we're going to rent out this apartment building for 20 bucks for a week and do this movie. Yeah, well, I mean, they shot this one in part four at the same time. When we get to part four, I guess we'll we'll talk about that. But they were doing it all at this, on the same budget. And I mentioned in the opening, Christine Peterson, the director, an accomplished assistant director, been on some other stuff. She was on Tremors. You and I liked that. And she's been in some other things that we you know, shot some other stuff that I happen to like a lot, at least. But as a director, she comes from the Roger Corman world, which means do it as cheap as possible. I mean, like for nothing. And this movie looks incredibly cheap. You can look, you can be a cheap movie and not look cheap. And we, and we did talk about how this one looks better than a lot of the sci-fi channel fare, but you got to admit, man, this looks like dirt cheap. There's not even good lighting in any of it. No, there isn't. It's 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 a very very cheap movie, especially when you compare it to the last two, which had you know a, a decent and I can, you can't even say really decent budget, a, a workable budget with it for this type of movie. But yeah, this one you can tell is probably done for like a quarter million dollars. Oh something. yeah, easy. Like I was I looked and I could not find a figure on it, but I thought this this had to be under two hundred thousand dollars. Like they had to go real cheap on this. They didn't pay anybody anything because there's nobody in it to get paid. And I, I imagine it made its money back pretty quick on rentals just from people like you that just, oh, yes, Critters 3. You know, I love the first one or the second one. But, I, yeah, they didn't spend any money on this. Now, the one thing they did spend a little bit on, whether it was the Chiodo brothers or whoever took over from them or whatever, there's a lot of discrepancies about that. The effects of the Critters are actually pretty gory and pretty good. Like, they're cheesy. They're B-movie. But I like the kills. Like, when they start attacking the jerk maintenance man, Frank, and they eventually attack the you know, the fat lady and they get a hold of the landlord, I, I actually liked the Critter attacks this time. I mean, it was like watching Kermit, you know, attack you from the Muppet stage. But it was, I don't know, it was fun. I had fun with those. No. What's the one rule of sequels, especially when you come to horror movies? Got to be bloodier. Got to be a bigger body count. They really went the opposite way here as far as the body count goes. We only get two throughout the entire movie. Yeah, it's also – this is also PG-13. They know who their audience is. It's people Josh's age. It's people Amy's age and, and younger. They know they can't be too much of that. You notice the critters don't curse anymore in their foreign language and all that stuff. They don't, they don't drop the F-bombs and all that stuff. I mean they, they had to be more careful, and this was the 1990s, man, it, you know. The the ratings boards, people like that, they had a stick up their nose about 
ratings for horror movies at this time. I mean, everything but got R rated. If it's, it's a direct, violent. yeah, it's a direct to video film though. What's the rating matter? Well, because at that time, who was trying to rent this? Well, you know, kids wanted to rent this, and if you're gonna let, you're gonna convince parents who are also all up in arms about content and explicit lyric labels and all that stuff. You got to at least sell them on the idea that it's safe. You know, that that's what this is, seems like a product of more than anything else to me, Nick, is the era of horror movies that just got absolutely neutered because they couldn't do what a horror movie needs to do to be horrific. And so they just had to go cheap and, and kind of silly with it. Is this like kind of like the PG-13 uh, Meet the Marsupials howling movie? <laughs> I suppose. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's go ahead looking at it, but it is in that era, and it, I mean, this is a film that's, for better or worse, is attached to that time period, and I think that's the reason some of this is done. But that said, I still think it's pretty gruesome. I mean, they chew that one guy completely to pieces, and I mean, it looks like you know red jelly. It's not anything real uh, realistic or anything, but I don't know. I thought the kills were pretty. There just weren't enough of them. Yeah, there was only two, and of course we killed the, mo- the two most despicable guys in the entire movie, and yeah, no one like, else. You knew you knew they were going to die, right? Like immediately, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, let's talk about this like basement janitor guy, and what the hell kind of voice did he have, dude? I was having flashbacks to Graveyard Shift. Were you not the, that kind of guy that was affecting that weird voice? I had the same thing. I was like, this must be his bastard cousin or something. Yeah, it was terrible when he was talking. It was like, you know, he's trying to hit on people, and it was just like, oh, man. And when he got it, it was pretty, you know, it was deserved because it was not not because it's like, oh, I want to see this guy die. It's because I just don't want to see him on screen anymore. Well, yeah, yeah, you do. You do want to see this guy die. The the thing was, in a a horror movie that was going to have some gusto, the thing would have got him, like, right in the balls or something instead of chewing him up in his face and and on his chest, right? Like, they would have gone for some real gusto. His toes got it first, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, yeah, his his voice was just beyond annoying. And then, of course, you know, he's going to get it. So, you know, glad to see him go right away. But then it's like they, they chicken out on the fat woman. Yeah, later. she just gets chewed on a good bit. Yeah, I mean, come on. You got to kill the fat lady. Well, I mean, and even more, like, they're all, remember all the little crites are down at the bottom of the stairs where they roll something at them and they bounce around? Like, they even have this sound effect of the bowling pins, right? I mean, this is, I mean, they they really are playing on Sesame Street with a lot of this. Oh, yeah, it's gone completely, you know, it's gone pretty crazy town right now as far as the sound effects go, man. I mean, it's, I mean, even after, like, the attack on the fat lady and when everybody kind of realizes there's some type of threat down in the basement, I mean, I first think they're rats or something like that. <laughs> Again, graveyard shift. Yeah. And I think probably the best scene of the movie happens where the Krites end up just going crazy, like, in the basement or in the apartments and stuff. And they start, like, just eating a ton of food and they're eating, like, soap and stuff and well, they're farting and stuff. Well, that's every every movie so far there has been a crite feast somewhere in it in the first one it was set to the you know fake uh, johnny steel music partially where they were just basically chewing through the brown's house then in the second one they were at the the hungry burger place right yeah you know, which they, i think is an awesome scene still <laughs> Well, it's an awesome theme song, that's for sure. But in this one, this is that moment. It's like I'm, I've come to expect that now that like every Critters movie has got to have like a pig out moment, like where they just you know, 
eat everything in sight. Because that's been the thing about him is you know from the very first film, the opening scene with the guy on the little you know floating module talking to the bounty hunters is you've got to stop them before they feed. So apparently the feeding frenzy is like a big part of their. I guess they're MO or whatever, but I've come to expect it now. And you know, it was the, it's something again, I was looking for when it happened. I was like, Oh, that's where that's going to be this time. Yeah. And my question is though, like how did these things even work? I mean, it's like they're all mouth. I mean, when they feed, I mean, where does this food go? I don't know. They they grow fast when they roll. I, but they don't grow fast anymore. Well, that's the thing. You know, they would if they had any money. That's the other sign too. Like last time, they did the sequel trope. They stepped up the game. We talked about it. They got bigger. They could attack in mass. That was their new thing, right? That they'd get in this big ball of teeth and fur and come at you. Well, now they all just kind of come at you one by one, and they got the one that's like got the gray hair and is missing an eye, and they, like they all are identifiable by some mark now. Again, they're they're muppets. They're they're more cute than they are sinister. Those first ones were kind of spooky. These are you know you want to pet these. You know, I mean not too close because they'll bite your hand off. But uh, you see what I mean? Yeah, these ones feel like you know if you probably got one cornered, you could just yell at it enough, and it would end up just kind of trying to be your friend then. <laughs> or it would you know it'd be like a a, a possum and fake dying. <laughs> yeah, it just <laughs> fall over. And that's the part I kind of miss though. I mean, it's like in the first one, it was like. You know, they kind of had some funny scenes with them where, you know, they get blown apart and they'll, like, just fall over like a bowling pin when they shove, like, you know, a smoke bomb in its mouth. Kind of missing that a little bit here as far as, like, just as far as how they act. I mean, they're acting goofy, acting like Muppets, like you said, but it doesn't have that kind of, I don't know, just, like, almost, I guess it almost was, like, out-of-place humor because, like, you're expecting it to be, like, a real gory, like, slasher thing and all of a sudden the thing does something really stupid. Or, or it swears, or it, go, it jumps inside the toilet, you know? Exactly. The the thing that gets me here, and the thing that I, I guess I'm just, I'm having the hardest time with on this one, Nick, is that I don't have any human characters that I give a damn about at all. Like, I don't, I don't care about any of these people, so therefore it's hard for me to get real invested in anything that's happening on the, the, the screen. Like, I don't, I don't care about the plight of the people involved here. So it's hard for me to root against them. Like I cared about the Browns. I didn't want to see them all die, you know, and, and for better or worse, I cared about most of the people in the town last time. You know, you didn't want to watch all those people get wiped out by the critters. And now the only person I even know is Charlie. And I, I thought we had set him free already. I didn't need him anymore. So I, I don't know. That's it. It's it's also the trope too, and you brought it up earlier that you know they they got to get him in the building, right? And that's you know budget reason, but it's also a horror movie trope. It, the pick off, you know, when you're going to do the pick off, you got to have it in a confined space because if you're out in the open, well, hell, you got plenty of places to run. But if you're stuck in the building, there's only so many places you can go, right? Yeah, these things can get you cornered or whatever. Yeah, and, and that's what happens to, of course, at the evil landlord. You know, a little bit later when you know he's in the room and Leonardo DiCaprio and him have a little argument, and Leo wishes that he would die, and of course, then he gets killed by these things where they, you know, kind of chew him apart. And that is our last death of the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, besides critters getting whacked by Charlie. Yeah, that's it. The whole thing, and there's a long way to go. That's the other thing. 
I got bored out of my mind when they're chasing up and down through this building and the lights are out and all this stuff. I was like, God, this is so boring. And this movie's only 85 minutes long, five minutes of which at the end is credits. I'm like, geez, this takes forever to get anywhere. It's like they they had about a 40-minute story and they just said, well, we'll just have them run up down the stairs a few times. Yeah, because you know, no later than we get the, uh, they get the girl and then she ends up going down in the basement. And probably, you know, the one little funny scene that you get out of here is when she actually runs into a critter by himself. And instead of, like, trying to attack her, he just screams like a girl. (laughs) Again, it makes you wonder, like, could you not just tame these things? Like, I figured by the third one, like, the military would have got these and tried to weaponize them. You know, where's that? (laughs) That's never even happened. We've never had any authority besides the local sheriff or the intergalactic bounty hunters even appear in any of this stuff. I mean, wouldn't these things make like a natural ammunition? I mean, it's like you get like almost like a giant spud gun and put them in there and then you could shoot them at people. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Just throw them into a crowd and let it see what happens. Really drop them in, parachute them, you know, (laughs) anything. I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. Like they, I don't know how Yutani Whalen hadn't found these two (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Would have been a lot easier to deal with than some of that other stuff. They wasted years on out in Colorado and such, but exactly. (laughs) So then we get, we get the inevitable return of Charlie then. Yes. No, he finds his way over there and, Part that kind of disappointed me was his weapon. His yeah. gun really sucked bad. I mean, back in like the earlier movies, I mean, they had these big, giant, like almost like Nerf-like cannons, and now it's like just kind of a. Obviously, they went to like a freaking prop store, grabbed the Tommy gun, cut off the barrel, and there you go. That's your new weapon. Yeah, it's lame, lame new weapon. I'm with you. The older weapon's much cooler. The the leaf blower from hell, whatever that was, way cooler than anything that he's dragging around this time. You know, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, they didn't have any of the old props left, so <laughs> or or none of the money to operate them. You know, because that thing looks like a piece of styrofoam. <laughs> yeah, it looks crappy, but yeah, it's, you know, stuff happens. He kills a couple crites, and then they make their way up to the, you know, with the, everybody trying to make their way up to the top of the building for some odd reason. Because that's where Hans to- wants him to be so he can get away with the bear bonds. Oh, wrong movie. Yeah, it's like, I still don't understand why they're trying to get to the top of the building. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Reasons? I mean, just, just, just get out of the building. It's I mean, not like the crites are driving them there. That's the other thing. Like, I think we're supposed to believe that that's what's happening. Not for one second did I buy that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, you can just stomp these things. And then you get like some weird humor with like the one like kind of like tomboy girl, how she's like trying to get down to the uh, pay phone to call for help. And then she gets her foot caught. And then she's just kind of swinging back and forth for like 10 minutes. Did they ever get her down? I don't remember that. No, they never got her down. I was kind of half expecting when the credits rolled of her to still be hanging there. Yeah, yeah, why not? They showed everything else in that credit sequence that took forever. But yeah, but Charlie shows up to blast the the last Krites, and we think it's over, right? Everybody's saved. Everybody's happy. But then what about this ending where he's going to kill, blow up the last two eggs, and then Ugg appears and says, no, you can't. Those have been ordered back uh, for study. That was I was having again, you know, Star Trek Next Generation mixed with like alien stuff going on there. Yeah, it was probably obviously just a setup for a sequel, but yeah, it's really, really dumb because now it's like, okay, well, he's Ugg. We know that because it's the human face, but 
why is he back to being that face again? Yeah, I mean, I thought he became Charlie <laughs> out, of, out of respect for Charlie. What happened yeah, to that? Well, you probably saw what Charlie started doing, like running around in the woods and stuff in that gear going, yeah, probably not the best choice to, you know, copy now because yeah, now- any respect he had for Charlie went out the window. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but yeah, now, but now he goes corporate, you know, and now he's the, he's the corporate sleazebag. I mean, talk about, you know, <laughs> did this movie, did this movie come out before or after Alien 3? Uh, this came out uh, before Alien 3. Alien 3? Alien 3 came out when? 93? Is it 92? 93? Nah, let's, 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 let's see what the Wikipedia learns me. I'm, I'm saying, you know, you got, you got Charles Bishop showing up as the company. 90, 92 the, is when Alien 3 came out. So, okay. Yeah, so this movie came out before. Yeah. So you got Charlie, you know, swing, you know, not Charlie, Ugg now, you know, comes back as this corporate guy to tell him to save a species. Kind of sounds sounds like Bishop showing at the end of Alien 3 is now the corporate guy telling him not to, to save the species. Yeah, it's very, it, it's very strange. Like, why would you? They take- copied Critters 3, man. I'm telling <laughs> you, man. This is like here, dude. I'm hey, like, man, there were so many rewrites of Alien 3. They didn't even know what they were copying. I, I'm, I'm thinking they might have grabbed a copy of Critters 3 and rewrote part of it because you kind of got a little bit of that going on here with like the just randomly appearing eggs and, you know, the one of the one of the supporting characters comes back as a corporate suit. You know, begging them not to kill the creatures. I I think you may be on to something. They were meant to go back and amend our Alien Three retrospective now. <laughs> so, but what about the ending though? The whole bit is that Charlie puts the eggs in the pod, and of course, you knew he was going to trap himself inside. It's like Barney Five always does something stupid, and that's yeah. what Charlie is. Yeah, you knew it was going to happen. And my God, these credits are just painful because it's like five seconds, pause. And then it goes through more credits and more credits and more credits. And then another five seconds. It's just like, God, just get on with it. I don't care who the, uh, you know, the boy grip was, you know, it's like, <laughs> God, I don't care. Just show me the end of this movie, even though I don't really care about the end of the movie. I just got to get through it because I got to do a review on it. That, that's the thing. There is no end to it. It's a cliffhanger. It's supposed to lead us right into part four. And I'm like, man, that if I had been a kid your age and had rented this to watch it and that's how it ended, I'd have been pissed, man. I'm not going to lie. That I hated that when television shows would do that crap. I'm like, just tell me a story and let's be done with it but I, yeah this is this is, this is when me and joss whedon were friends and we were both watching this together and he told me he hates movies like this like empire strikes back <laughs> <laughs> that's not even on the same level as this that's setting up something much more galactic and actually had a point this this crap like i'm cool for cliffhangers if they work look i love the angel television show every season ends on a cliffhanger to set up the next one i'm cool for that if it's done well but this i I didn't care about any of this to begin with. So I really don't give a shit if Charlie gets stuck on the ship or not. Like I, I would, this would have been much better if half of it was Charlie trying to destroy the eggs and like, Ugg had come back and he was trying to rescue him. That would have been cool. Why didn't we have that movie instead of all this crap up and down the stairs? I don't know. And where do these eggs come from? I think you asked that 30 minutes ago. I still don't know. (laughs) And now there's like more eggs, you know, like how do these things reproduce? Yeah, we haven't ever really laid out the physiology. I'm with you. It's like they eat, but I don't know where any of it goes and I don't know how they reproduce. You know, it's I mean, they they couldn't couldn't just put a throwaway line in here like (laughs) they eat a lot 
and instead of pooping, they make an egg. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe yeah, that you know what, a little throwaway line would have been fine, but instead we're just left with more eggs, and it's kind of like, well, these are the last two. How the hell does he know that those are the last two? There's just a bunch in some freaking, you know, bumble, you know, bumble hell <laughs> rest area. There was eggs there. Okay, why? Yeah. Did, we do. We still don't know where that is. Like that's the problem. I, again, it's all set up. All I can hope, Nick, is that somewhere in part four, all of these questions are answered. So that's all I can hope for. But I guess we're at the point of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, popcorn ratings. So, what are yours for Critters Three? Ah, Critters Three. Well, it's been a steady decline. I think the first movie I gave a large popcorn to. The second one I gave a medium popcorn to. This one is a small popcorn. It is a small popcorn, dry, stale, makes you want to vomit type popcorn. This movie is not very good. It is extremely cheap, extremely, you know, you know, poorly directed. The acting is bad. Everything in this movie is bad. The only part that is kind of funny is you get that little eating scene with the critters and honestly you could just go on youtube and watch that if you really want to i say you got to skip this movie end it with part two this one doesn't exist it should have never been made i i agree there was nothing left to tell and particularly if you were going to tell something else it wasn't this story i actually think the next story is probably the best option if you're going to continue the franchise go into space hell it started in space let's go back to space i'm i would be down for that but this this is just dumb and i gave the last one a small but said it was somewhat passable this is like that off-brand microwave popcorn that you buy because it says like extreme butter and you're like oh yeah it's gonna be awesome and it's only a dollar and then you make it and you're like it's awful you know that's exactly what this is it's just they're trying to do things that other films do a lot better part of its budget but part of it is too there's just no creative impulse here like i kind of got what that first one was doing and the second one had it had at least some tongue-in-cheek dark humor going on this one i don't know what the purpose of it was if it's just to set up this fourth film hell i hope it was setting up something dynamic because this was dumb and uh cannot unrecommended enough bad bad small popcorn not the worst thing i've ever seen but but right up there pretty pretty bad so yeah i don't think it's gonna get any better from here <laughs> the only based good on what i've kind of seen of the fourth one now this is like 2 a.m wake up with a bad stomach ache put on sci-fi and this movie's on <laughs> type type memories and yeah you know I don't know if they were just fever dreams or what, but it was, from what I remember, there's some, this one's looks like Casablanca in comparison. So (laughs) see that, that was, that's what happened to me on Leprechaun. The series just downgraded every time it kept going forward. Made that first one look like Citizen Kane, (laughs) you know, by the, by the time it rolled around to iced tea and stuff. But, but I will say this, like with the Leprechaun series, the very last one I liked, I, I mean, they figured out how to do what was right about that first one again. And, and so Back to the Hood was actually passable for me. You go hear that review in the archives, folks. I surprised myself by saying that even. But I'm hoping part four here will do that because I know it's the only.
only one left. There's nothing else. Like they, they, you know, it, it either ended it or killed it or whatever once and for all. And I can I say, I'm kind of surprised it's been 20 years and we, we haven't gone back to the critters yet. Hell, everything else has been remade. So maybe we can talk about that one at the end of part four next time. But I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be at least as good as part two was for me. Uh, and and if it's but if it's like this, then uh, I'm going to tell you what what my ratings are going to be. But we'll see when we get there. I know it's going to be Nick. You're never picking out another series again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can lay that on you since the first one you ever did. I made you do the, the Blair Witch uh, sequel that everyone, including the director, disowns. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, y'all know you keep picking them like this. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> folks, thanks for joining us on this latest edition of Filmstrip. You can find more episodes of our podcast in the archive section of our website continuousplaypodcast.com we've referenced a lot of those in here we've got the alien movies we've got Blair Witch obviously we've got all the Leprechaun films we've actually got some good stuff in there too uh, so check us out leave us a review on iTunes drop us a line on Facebook and Twitter let us know what you think and we always appreciate interacting with you and thank you for your support Till next time for Nick I'm Jay thanks for listening to Filmstrip thanks for listening to Filmstrip I think you all better be here before somebody gets hurt. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. <laughs>